Hello you and welcome to You Are Good, a feelings podcast about movies. Today we are talking about Top Gun Maverick and we're talking about it with our great friend River Butcher. My name is Alex Steed. I'm one of your co-hosts. I'll soon be joined by my tremendous co-host, Sarah Marshall. Top Gun Maverick is a 2022 American action drama film directed by Joseph Kaczynski and written by Aaron Kruger. Eric Warren Singer, and Christopher McQuarrie. The film is a sequel to the 1986 film Top Gun. Tom Cruise reprises his role as the naval aviator Maverick. And River Butcher is an American stand-up comedian, actor, writer, producer, and podcast host. This conversation's a lovely one, and I'm excited for you to listen to it. How is your life, friend? What is going on out in your world? What are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you reading? Let us know on Instagram and Twitter at YouAreGoodPod. We're also on Blue Sky at YouAreGood. It's going to continue to get confusing as the social media keeps breeding, (laughs) putting new iterations out into the world. But that's where we are for now. Let us know how you're doing. We love hearing from you. We love knowing what's going on in your world. And, you know, if you like the show, please go to Apple Podcasts and rate it. Leave us a five-star review, perhaps, and maybe say a thing or two about why you enjoy the show. Speaking of things to listen to, Articulated Textiles is the name of a new record from Video Dave. This isn't an ad. This is just us talking about a friend of ours who just released a new album, Articulated Textiles by Video Dave. We met Video Dave at the same time that we met River Butcher on the Joko cruise. Dave performs a bunch with our other great friend, Open Mike Eagle, and just makes wonderful music. We love Dave. Dave also obviously is a video artist. That's why uh, the moniker Video Dave is a thing, and also makes incredibly compelling, just really tremendous felt art. I love Dave. This record came out earlier this month. Again, it's called Articulated Textiles, and we just want you to know about it because a friend of ours made a cool thing, and we want you to know about that cool thing. Anyway, that's just a little thing you should know about things that should be in your ears. And uh, while we're at it, don't you forget it, that you, my friend, are good. You Are Good is made possible by your support. Thanks to everyone who supports us on Patreon and Apple podcast subscriptions. We appreciate you. You make this whole thing possible. You make it possible for us to have creative jobs. We appreciate that. We pay our staff in order to make creative things. It's great. We are so grateful for this opportunity. And in exchange for your support of this show, by throwing a couple dollars a month, you get bonus episodes. We just released a bonus episode about In Just Like That. We have another one coming up about Sex in the City uh, Season 3. We have an ongoing series about Hannibal and the Lecterverse. Uh, we're about to record a conversation about grief and death, which I feel like we do once a year now. <laughs> it's like a tradition. My grandmother passed very recently, and Sarah is always dealing with uh, uh, grief in one way or another, as am I. So we we're like, let's talk about it again. Sometimes that helps. Speaking of Patreon, we have a free Patreon post available to anybody. It doesn't matter if you're a Patreon supporter or not. That I'll link in the show notes. And this is my favorite. It's a list that Sarah sent me. It was handwritten when she sent it to me. Uh, And it's 32 short and just like that fanfics. And it's 32 fanfic scenarios that Sarah's come up with. And they were so funny. I was laughing so hard that I was like, Sarah, please type this out so we can put it on Patreon. 
she did and we did. It's available to everybody. It's very funny. We've gotten really great feedback on it so far. I love them. They all make me laugh. One of my favorites is Lily's keyboard controls the other character's destinies. <laughs> this is super fun. I think you'll enjoy it even if you don't know or like the show. They are all wonderful scenarios. So go check that out. And then one other piece of Sarah news is Sarah was on Behind the Bastards this week. If you haven't heard that already, seek it out. It's a great conversation about uh, just the state of modern conspiracy theory and what's going on in that world. So we used to do this much more consistently uh, in release playlists with each of our episodes. They are inspired by the conversation, inspired by the movie itself. But we have one out now for this week's episode of Top Gun Maverick. Check it out. It's linked in the show notes. You can hear what songs come into our minds and come into our hearts when we talk about this movie. Okay, that's enough information from me for now. That's so much set up for Top Gun Maverick. I hope it's worth it. And I hope you enjoy this delightful chat with River Bocher about vroom vroom, fast airplanes, teamwork, learning about the self, etc., etc. Top Gun Maverick. Hello, Sarah Marshall. Bombs away, Alex Steve. Very good. I was wondering. Yeah. I was wondering how you do it. <laughs> Bombs away, like they say in the Top Gun program. In the Navy. Yeah, <laughs> in, the top, in the Top Guns. Or as our phones like to correct it to, Two Gun. <laughs> two Gun. They could not handle They The phones could not handle it. How are you doing? Uh, have you seen any movies about Tom Cruise sorting through his feelings about his mortality lately? Yeah, I've seen like 20 of, of that, but <laughs> all of them. the one I watched today is Top Gun Maverick. Oh my gosh. What were you expecting? And were you surprised by what you received? I think, okay, so like when Top Gun Maverick came out, I feel like it was in theaters last summer for 12 years. <laughs> it was in theaters for 12 years last summer. It just went on and on. And it made me feel like it would always be in theaters and so I didn't have enough sense of urgency about seeing it in like ultra IMAX or however they were doing it. Mm. And so I didn't. And then I was like, crap, I really fucked that up. But I watched it today on my computer. And it's <laughs> a very old person thing to say. Sarah, I did you. <laughs> I watched it on my phone, just as Jerry Bruckheimer intended. <laughs> David Link is so mad at you and what I was immediately blown away by because this is a movie I'm not terribly attached to the original I've seen it maybe three times I find it really charming but also clearly an ad for the U.S. military which we have to take into account but I like it I'm attached to it enough that I don't want people to like change it or try and get cute and so this movie opens in exactly the same way as the original <laughs> Top Gun I was like, am I watching? I had to look <laughs> at the too. title three times to be like, did I get the like, wrong movie? I was like, is this Top Gun that I accidentally read? And then they were like, music by Lady Gaga. And I was like, okay, cool. She wasn't <laughs> even born yet. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I watched it and watching it made me realize how much it turns out I actually love Top Gun because yeah, especially sure. in the last 20 minutes, for sure. there were moments when I like, clapped yeah i clapped alone in yeah. my house watching this movie and i cheered and what i've learned today is that i 
love Top Gun. And that's what we're going to talk about is how whether you know it or not, you already love Top Gun. Yeah, I think that this is the best integration of using nostalgia and fan service as a lubrication rather than the toy itself. Like, I think that it was it was very. You said that because I told you I was massaging my neck with a vibrator this morning. Sarah and I have been talking about toys today, so it's coming through. Uh, I was looking for a metaphor and that was the one that was right there. But no, this is like a masterful example of like, if you're going to milk an old property, the best way to do it. But before we get before we get there, I'm so excited for all of it. Can you tell me, Sarah, why are we watching Top Gun Maverick? Oh, my God. It's a great. Well, we're watching it because it was inevitable, but also because our guest yeah. today yeah on this show <laughs> hell yeah who we met on a cruise ship we did in a magical weird week <laughs> the weirdest our top gun <laughs> expert and extraordinary comic in person who i'm doing an impression of while introducing <laughs> is river butcher <laughs> Yeah, it was like listening to a mirror just now, Sarah. Great job, <laughs> River. What do you What do you do, and what's your relationship with Top Gun uh, Maverick specifically? What do I do? Um, I mean, that's a great question. These days, uh, go on strike mostly, but um, mm-hmm. I, primarily, I do stand up right now. I'm a stand up comedian, but I'm also an actor and a writer, and I also uh, show ran and created my own show for a while back there, a couple of years ago, and. I think this relates to Top Gun 2. I oh, Top Gun Maverick, excuse me. I have a joke about that, but you'll just have to see it in my special when it comes out instead of telling you right now. <laughs> Filmed at Portland, Oregon's legendary Helium. That's yeah. right. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> I also am a, a manager, co-manager of a co-ed baseball team, and I've been that since 2019, and I've played in that league for a bunch of years. And I feel like part of why this movie strikes me so is that despite the fact that it is about, you know, it's, he's literally a maverick, you know, he's like the one guy that can do it. There is still this aspect of being a part of a team, needing a team, building a team. I'm like very anti-war, but I still can understand um, and be moved by the sort of brotherhood of the whole thing, you know? Yes, And I also really deeply love this director. So Mm. I think that's also part of why, because I mean, I did grow up in the Top Gun era, you know, like the effect that it had culturally, I think was giant. And I grew up in that and I remember watching it and I did like it, but I wasn't like, I'm going to be a fighter. I wasn't like, this Mm -hmm. is my thing. I do remember going and playing laser tag with a friend and I was like, I'm going to be Maverick and you're going to be Goose. And that's about like, <laughs> and you're going to die in my arms. That's right. Sorry. In the ocean by San Diego. And I'm going to live a stunted life of regret. <laughs> that's right. So like, I'm not a bit, you know, I'm not a big military person, pretty staunchly anti-war. And yet I still cry watching Top Gun Maverick. For sure. That's the thing with the Top Guns, I think. Yeah, yeah. that it's really about what we call in academia homosociality. Oh. Or as people call more colloquially being really fucking gay. <laughs> and also it's about love, you yep. know? Mm. And like this, there's like something real at the center of all of it, which is more than you can say about a lot of similarly propagandistic media. Yeah, the surprising thing that this movie does is like, Maverick is clearly grown in the specific ways he needed to grow from the first movie. Mm-hmm. 
but is still stunted in other ways that he needs to grow from. And I think like the big illusion with growth often is we're like, I've grown. And you're, <laughs> yeah. you don't realize that like you still need to grow in like 14 other directions. Yeah. So I was like, wow, this is like a surprisingly complex series of things to present in the sequel, the long awaited sequel to Top Gun. Oft not even considered <laughs> sequel <laughs> to Top Gun, a pretty much cut and dry narrative story <laughs> before we before sarah does the plot can you just tell us a bit about yeah. who the director is and like why the director stands out to you oh uh i his name is joseph kaczynski now i will coach this by saying i saw his other film on a plane okay mm-hmm. i know that kind of affects everybody's ability to watch a film but i watched it oh. just choosing something i was like I, I just need something to watch on this flight and it was this movie called only the brave which Mm. sounds again like a military movie and they really sort of they tried that the studios tried their darndest to package this film on the outside as like you know whatever military like thin blue you know whatever they could siphon from that because it's not it's a movie about hot shots firefighting hot shots who are like mountaintop firefighters Mm. who who go out Mm. and fight like range fire you know like these the fires we're all living in now, you know, across the country and the globe. <laughs> That's what they do. It's like one of the most dangerous jobs you can do. And mm-hmm. it is directed by Joseph Kaczynski and then also stars Miles Teller. So he has mm-hmm. oh, he has a muse in Miles. Miles is Goose's son, everybody. Yes, Rooster. And, uh, <laughs> and something that struck me in that movie and then in this movie that maybe we can talk about even more mm-hmm. in regards to the original Top Gun is that in Only the Brave, I was like shocked to see an age appropriate heterosexual pairing. Yes. <laughs> Where I was like, this is incredible. Like seriously. Because uh now it it's in Top Gun Maverick, but in Only the Brave, they talk about things with each other. <laughs> he goes to his partner for like thoughts and and reasoning and you know she's not just this like scared wife or whatever like it's mm-hmm. actually a, a a pretty holistic relationship that i was just like i never see this you know and then again something that i think he brings to films is an accurate and again like a, a holistic and an emotional portrait of masculinity mm. you know there within this film there are we obviously have some poles of toxic masculinity. And I think it's, you know, it's very purposeful to then show you like masculinity in and of itself inherently is not bad. Just Mm -hmm. like femininity in and of itself is inherently not bad. Mm -hmm. But toxicity, you know, toxic versions of that, really strong black and white versions of that is not great, you know. But what I love about his movies, or these two at least, is that depth of masculinity and what like you said alex it's about love you know so like Mm. love through the lens and experience of masculinity and i I think that's really important and i wish it wasn't wrapped up in the propaganda of military but also it's like i remember all these right-wing politicians when it came out you know being like it's an anti-woke masterpiece and it's a red-blooded and i watched that thing and i'm like okay that whole team is so diverse (laughs) they say some pretty incredibly progressive things for what it is and i think it's a portrait of like masculinity and fragility and like all these and loving each other empathy vulnerability letting go losing it's like this is not what you guys think it is but also i hope 
you have swallowed this pill and it releases at some point and you go like, oh, maybe <laughs> not. You know, like, OK, it's the Top Gun liquid gel. That's right. Yeah. Right. Because like an element of masculinity that's joyful is like riding your motorcycle real fast next to an airplane. You know, <laughs> Yeah. that's what this all about. That's what it's all about. You're part of it. Yeah. Sarah, can you take us there? Can you uh, strap us to the back of your bike and let's let's uh, wow, <laughs> let's go down the runway together. <laughs> nice. I was also thinking. I was like, what would my Top Gun name be? And I think it would be Mongoose, which I feel like is unoriginal because I know there's a goose. It's just French for my goose. It's just what I feel like I am. <laughs> is mongoose French for my goose? Well, if you separate it into two oh. words, it's mongoose. Oh, mongoose. <laughs> Well, then goose is something else in French that I don't know what it is. But. I was just thinking the name of the animal was French for my goose. Uh, <laughs> yeah. River, what do you think yours would be? Ooh, uh, I mean, the first thing that came into my head, which I think is always the answer, is full count. Oh, that's what is that from? Ooh. It's baseball. Oh, great. Nice. It means you have three balls and two strikes, so. Oh, yes. <laughs> Perfect. You don't have a lot of options except go for it, you know? <laughs> nice. Alex? Oh, stretch probably. Stretch, Ooh. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think inappropriately built for an uh, airplane. I like the heroine of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. It must be pointed out. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. stretch. Oh, take us there, mongoose. All right. Yeah. <laughs> all right, everybody. So first of all, in case you haven't seen Top Gun, I mean, you might as well watch it. But also, we did an episode on it. I think the first summer we existed with Clementine Ford, which was really fun. It was, if even, our fifth episode. Yeah. But so Top Gun is about the school for naval pilots, which I've never understood. Just as a kid, I was like, pilots in the Navy. What a crazy world this is. (laughs) But that's also, I think, what an officer and a gentleman is about. You know, it's Mm. like in the 80s, you don't want just any military man. You want one of the elite ones. And so it's this fighter pilot school that Tom Cruise is in as a trainee named Maverick. And his actual name is Pete Mitchell. But that's so easy to forget. (laughs) Nobody cares. (laughs) Every time Jennifer Conley calls him Pete, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's a human being. I know. You're like, who the fuck is Pete? (laughs) Every time she says Pete, I'm like, let's just do away with this. Just call him Tom or Maverick. Like, come on. It'd be amazing if she called him Tom. (laughs) Tom. Have you ever seen that in Days of Thunder when uh, I I forget who that... It's like not a background actor because mm-hmm. she has lines, obviously, but she's not really in the film. She's like somebody's a driver's wife. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, hi, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so great. And I'm like, actually, this is perfect. Everybody should just call him Tom. <laughs> and all the movie, like we all know who he yeah. is. <laughs> yes. So Tom slash Maverick, his best friend and wingman Goose, played by Anthony Edwards, who most of us know best as the guy from ER that wasn't George Clooney. <laughs> if you told me ER was still on, I would believe you. As would I. <laughs> yeah, totally. And Tom Skerritt is there. He's like Maverick's disappointed mentor slash father figure. And it's about Maverick's relationship his relationship with Goose, his relationship with the Iceman. <laughs> Is his name Tom Kazansky? Iceman Kazansky, played by the wonderful Val Kilmer, who's just just kind of an asshole, right? Does he have backstory? Is he just kind of a dick in a general way? No backstory. He's just a dick. Okay. But so in uh, 
in Top Gun, basically, the whole thing is Maverick is too reckless. And Iceman is like, you put everyone in danger every time you fly, which is a reasonable point, honestly. Mm-hmm. And then he also has a romance with his flight school instructor, Kelly McGillis, mm. which <laughs> they had to like go back and do reshoots to, so they could put in a sex scene because they were like this movie needs a sex scene where he has sex with a woman otherwise we just gotta do it (laughs) we need to cut it some heterosexuality i mean i was just talking to my good friend eli olsberg also a comic and also a movie freak about how we don't understand how gen z is like so anti-sex scene in movies Hmm. like it just is so weird and i mean we talked it out and i'm like well i mean i guess it makes obviously Willing to accept anybody's premises. Like, you got to do what you got to do. But I'm just like, that is one of the quintessential sex scenes, I think, of the 80s. Oh, yeah. It's got Take My Breath Away. Fucking Berlin song. That's how serious they were. No, no. It's just like epic. How many children were conceived to that song? You know, like a lot, probably. I saw someone say on Twitter, and I don't, I am always questioning, like, is a thing a phenomenon? Or is a thing like adults on Twitter retweeted some stupid thing a totally, kid yeah. said and then turned it into a thing that so they could dunk on it. Right. And I still don't know where we are in quote puritine stuff. But someone had suggested like based on like a lot of the exchanges that happen under those that like it's all that's all porn derived where it's like kids are like we engage our sex scenes over here secretly yes yeah and i don't want to like be watching top gun with my mom and then have to like have but like that to me that's like how you watch a yeah. movie to me you watch a movie right. going in with your parents uncomfortably yep. like sarah saw pretty woman at 10 with her dad you think it's gonna be cool and then you're suddenly you know watching someone get banged in 1987 yeah. with like a, a synth wave band playing in the background i mean <laughs> I, I fully that makes so much sense to me that it's like we have all the porn we could ever want you know it's over here (laughs) some of it is ethical so like why do we need to watch (laughs) this stuff you know but and so as a person older than that i'm like okay yeah that makes sense to me i offer you this young children uh this was the only porn that we had available to (laughs) us terminator one absolutely top gun risky business i i would say my first porn scene was lorraine Changing her top in Back to the yep. Future made me very uncomfortable. For sure. <laughs> and you're like, sex seems to be something that you need synthesizers for. You need like a Dutch 100%. guy in a corner, like banging away at a cord. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's also like worth saying here to me, I think, well, two things that like porn and, and movie sex scenes, like if you can't get porn, you will watch a movie sex scene and just try and fill in the blanks. But like, if porn is available to you freely, then I do feel like they fulfill some different needs where like and like, I don't know. And there's a lot of mediocre sex scenes and it's nice to not bother with the mediocre yeah. ones. But when they're good, like they they can be a whole other thing, I think. And then the other thing is that when I was a teenager, I was always so incredibly irritated by like trend pieces on the news being like teenagers are doing this. Teenagers are doing that. So, yeah, that's why I'm skeptical. Exactly. Because as a teenager, you're like, we're not all those, you know, dinosaurs in Jurassic Park that are flocking this way. We have different thoughts in our heads than each other. Yeah. So, Sarah, you're talking about Top Gun 1 right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
Do your listeners get upset with tangents? Because like I probably shouldn't be on the episode if they do. Well, I mean, that's kind of <laughs> what I have to contribute as well. So if they're upset about it, then they really nothing to be done. Because <laughs> I was about to bring up the postman always rings twice. So uh, let's talk about Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> so, so Top Gun. So, the you know, he's uh, dating Kelly McGillis. He's playing... Uh, sweaty beach volleyball with Iceman. And then they're also like, they're fighting the Russians kind of a little a bit, I <laughs> but guess. But never by name. But never by name. <laughs> anyway, so it's, they have to defeat the Russians. It doesn't matter. It's a MacGuffin. And on a mission, he and Goose have to both eject from their plane. And I think Goose is injured during the ejection and he dies in Maverick's arms and it's so sad Mm -hmm. and his wife is Meg Ryan who in this movie they were like she's dead (laughs) dead no Meg Ryan for you oh yeah yeah very dead because she's too old to come back but I also wonder if they could afford it I don't know that's a great question it's true or like what you know Meg Ryan I hope she like just was so busy she was like I couldn't possibly (laughs) Kelly McGillis's answer to that was I'm too old and I'm too gay (laughs) The answer to a lot of questions. <laughs> so, yeah. And so the movie is about him kind of dealing dealing with his grief and growing up. And in the end, he and the Iceman have to beat the Russians somehow. And then they land their planes and shake hands and they love each other now. Kind of. And that's Top Gun. <laughs> um, and it's great. And it's just like about Tom Cruise playing someone who we both... It's so fun to identify with him because he's like the best pilot. He's maverick. Like everyone's always so annoyed with him all the time. But it's partly because he's so good at what he does. But also like he does have these real issues that he needs to work on that you believe because he's Tom Cruise. And so Top Gun Maverick opens. I think they were going to they had trailers for this movie pre-pandemic. So I feel like it got held up somehow. But it really did because I... My friend Kara Wang is in this movie mm. was also in Good Trouble. And we were working together a bunch. And she was so stoked to be in this. And then so bummed that it got held up. Because it's like, yeah, dude, you're in a Tom yeah. Cruise movie. And then it didn't. It was supposed to come out, I think, mm. 4th of July. You know, mm. like wow. 2020 or something like that. And then it got held up until Memorial Day of 2022. They signed Tom Cruise before Donald Trump was president. Without exaggeration, they signed him in like mid-2016. What that all also means is that this movie came out the year he turned 60, I'm pretty sure. And that's just, I don't know, it's just something. He's doing great. (laughs) He's doing great. Well, in some ways he is, um, we can be sure. Structurally, he's doing great. He's doing (laughs) what he wants to do. And you know what? In a lot of ways, when you're 60 years old, if you can do that, that's more power to you, you know? It's so true. Yeah. There's some arenas where I celebrate his power and some arenas where I'm like, I wish you had less of it. Sure. Yeah. He's a complicated guy. We'll get, we'll continue to get into that. I think probably. Yeah. Cause part of this is animated by, I think our feeling of like, I think a lot of people feel a lot of love for Tom Cruise and with the sense of like, I know that you're in a cult, but that makes me love you more in a way. (laughs) It's like, look at you. You could do so much, but you couldn't, Figure out how to not be in a cult. So Top Gun Maverick is about all of that, I would argue, in a way. And it opens 
you know, if this was supposed to come out in 2020, then it's like it's, you know, it's about 35 years after the original, which is an incredible amount of time (laughs) to pass between a movie and a direct sequel (laughs) with the same actor playing the main character and looking basically the same. Yeah. Yeah. And so we start off with Maverick in his 50 and (laughs) he's working in a job. He has testing new fighter planes is that it i mean it's definitely testing military equipment okay you know i don't i don't know if that thing is a fighter plane necessarily because i feel like i don't know but the point of that thing is to go fast you know yeah so they're like we're running this program we're gonna be shut down if we don't get to mach 10 and maverick's like i'll do it and so they send him up and he goes kind of on to the lip of space And he flies his plane at Mach 10 and they're like, you're overheating. Be careful. And he's like, no. And then he's like, let's take it over Mach 10. Something I was specifically told not to do. Right. The symbolic significance of what we're set up here is like he's testing this equipment that is like run by humans and is like the human future in military weaponry versus the military's natural sort of trajectory of spending, which is to go into like straight up automation. And he's our John Henry. (laughs) God, he is John Henry. Shit. And Tom Cruise is John Henry also. Yeah. He says at some point, like, and this is like his, the first like inkling of growth from the first movie is like, he's going to do this because he knows what will happen to everyone else in the program if he doesn't, which means he's going to do something for other people, which is a thing that Maverick wouldn't do. However, his fucking ego is still so big that he can't help but push it past 10.1 which he's not supposed to do but yeah the whole movie i uh, river same like i was watching this through the lens of like all of our friends you included yeah who are picketing as a means of not just handing over the future of the careers to ai which i feel like all humans in one way or another who have skill sets at all are faced with at this moment 100 percent. i mean the thing is, like, AI has already been... I remember my mom telling me when I was a kid, like, when ATM started, that's how old I am, that she was like, oh, people are going to lose jobs because of that. And they did. You know, like, it's mm-hmm. we've been doing that. Sure. And sometimes automation is good and sometimes it is bad. And most often it's both, you know. And so <laughs> I think when this movie came out, the conversation, at least uh, with Hollywood types or whatever um the folks i run around with that this whole movie is an allegory for film for sure you know for For like for movies for making movies for tom cruise as a thing can anyone ever be that anymore probably not you know like and so to watch it with that in mind also is just really interesting to me to like set aside all the military stuff and just sort of like put different things into it it's like yeah because i have heard this and seen this about that guy he cares about his crew he wanted movies to get back into work because not just because he wants to work he does (laughs) but he know you know people need to work you know in the way it's set up you know so to have maverick then say you know i'm gonna go do this for you guys not just for me Mm -hmm. is just like an interesting shift from the character that we knew from before who was beginning to do that at the end. Like I have to set aside my ego and my fears and do what's asked of me in this moment, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes. Which we all have to do all the time. Yeah. Even if we're not breaking the sound barrier or whatever it is that he did. And so, yeah. So uh, Maverick flies above Mach 10, his plane crashes or something. He 
I guess a Jackson survives and he does a Beatrix kiddo. He walks into yeah. <laughs> what looks like a diner in the California desert and asks for a glass of water. In the 50s also, by the yeah. way. It looks like it's an, he, like he time travels for sure. Yeah, it really does feel like that. So then at work, they're like, we're transferring you, Maverick. We're sick of your shit. Everyone's sick of your shit. You're 60 years old. Your life hasn't advanced. You're only a captain. Yeah, which is a non-military person. You're like, I guess that's bad. (laughs) I don't know. They've told me in their questions. (laughs) The interesting thing about Maverick that I find myself identifying with is that they're like, you're too old to keep doing the exact same thing that you've been doing for this long just because you like it and like your life isn't progressing in other ways. And he's like, okay, well, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) And, And so he's assigned to go be an instructor in the Top Gun Academy, which is like, I really love how they handle him going to kind of the place where we are nostalgic for the original movie and where it would be impossible to not kind of acknowledge the amount of time that has passed and so they just do it in a very bittersweet way where he shows up at this bar where his age-appropriate love interest Jennifer Connelly works (laughs) and they seem to like they were together in the past but then he basically like pissed off the wrong people as he always does and it just like didn't work out for whatever reason a few years ago he Pete Mitchell if you will Yeah. You know, the thing the thing that like I admire about him in a way that I really appreciate with the the way that they the, you know, they go through this whole question about like why are you not an admiral like a, whatever an admiral a senator or something along those lines is as if those are two of the same things. I like that his whole rationale is he's like I'm just good at this thing. Like Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's totally right. Like his take <laughs> yeah. is, I mean, he's, he does need to grow emotionally as we, as is explained to him by Val Kilmer on a computer screen in a, in a great <laughs> scene later, but he's right. Like everyone around him is wrong. Like sometimes when you <laughs> advance in your career, you're not allowed to do the thing that you love doing in the first place. And you should have the wherewithal to not progress further if you don't want to do those things. Like he's correct. Yeah. He's the maverick. (laughs) I think he says, I'm a fighter pilot. You know, like that's what I do. And then he says it later on, you know, and I I love that about it too. And I love again that it is, you know, like um, Ed Harris. I love that he doesn't want to send him, wants to fire him Mm -hmm. and is like, somebody's looking out for you. You know, I don't want to do this, but you're going to go. And then, you know, we get to find out eventually who it is, you know, through <laughs> Mad Men being really angry that he's there, too, <laughs> through Don being really upset. He's so wild in this movie, I think. He has so the wild. biggest stick up his ass the whole movie, and it's so incredible because I feel like there's this little boy inside of him that is so thrilled to be there. Yes. <laughs> You know, that is just like, I can't believe I'm in these beige <laughs> pants right now, <laughs> you know, doing this thing. But he's also perfect for that. Yeah. And I it, it actually reminds me of the Friends reunion special. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of space in that about acknowledging like time is passing. People are getting older. Matthew Perry has something going on with his face yeah. that we're not going to talk about. He's going to write a book about it later. He's going to write a book about it later. And then there will be a lot of <laughs> podcast ads for it. Um, because I don't know that feels good. I think there's something often like quite bittersweet about a sequel and about acknowledging time. And this movie mm-hmm. feels like all about that. Yeah, he says your number at some point, your number one enemy is time in this movie. Yeah. Is- 
That's it. And I feel like the bar scene with Jennifer Connelly is like a moment where I was like, oh, right. There's an actor in there. You know, like <laughs> he's, he's still got it. You know, like he's maybe not he's doing something else. But even like when he's like texting with Ice, you know, after we find out that it's Iceman that like brought him. And that's the only reason that anybody's doing it because of how much they love and respect this other man. They're willing to put up with this boy, this child, you know, <laughs> and it's like very present in his face and very present in that scene of just like, I don't know. And I, I just I love the goofy like, you know, don't sass a lady and don't put your phone on my bar. You know, yeah. <laughs> just like and just the whole thing is like so it's so goofy. But because it's so goofy, it's real. I'm mm. like, this is a very lived in experience to me uh, when it happens. I like buy it. And also. And this, I think, is when it begins. I guess it begins with the sound test thing or the Mach 10 thing. Mm -hmm. But one of my friends called it Top Gun the Ride. (laughs) And I'm like, yes, that's what this movie is. It's like if I could live if I could live the movie Top Gun, it would be Top Gun Maverick. (laughs) You know, like that's exactly right. Yeah. And I love that whole sequence of him showing up at the Top Gun Academy bar and like talking to Jennifer Connelly and having to buy drinks for everyone and then like <laughs> getting ritualistically thrown out when his, yeah, decline, his, card, his card is yeah. <laughs> and then like watching a group of young people doing exactly what he used to do, mm-hmm. including the son of his dead best friend <laughs> and flashing back to, to Goose dying. Playing Great Balls of Fire, uh, a song which people who are in their 20s do not know yeah. the lyrics to. Nor how to play on a piano. (laughs) (laughs) Some kind of Navy ritual. (laughs) And I think that Goose plays that in the first movie, right? That's why it would be insane to do that out of nowhere. Well, they sing it together to Rooster Mm. because Rooster's sitting on the piano and Goose starts playing it and Tom Cruise starts singing it with him and they're singing it to him. So presumably that's why he loves that song. Why everyone else would know the lyrics to that song is completely lost on me. Yeah, yeah, it's presumably why he loves that song and has that mustache is from just honoring that moment. A hundred percent. I love his little mustache. Me too, it's cute. Yeah, and then we, I don't know, there's just something about him watching these people who he clearly still feels like he's one of, I think, mm-hmm. right? Because he's like, he hasn't progressed mm-hmm. And so it's like clear that they don't see him as one of them, but he maybe sees himself as one of them or feels like it was so recent that he was one of them that it can't truly be over. Yeah. Which is like such a human moment of just like seeing kids be kids. And you're like, I'm one of them. And then you're like, oh, I'm for sure not one of them. Wait a minute. (laughs) Oh, I'm dying Mm -hmm. of old age Mm -hmm. because time's my enemy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so he has to train the kids at the top gunnery. (laughs) <laughs> to do this mission which like again do they say where this is or are they just no. like yeah okay great <laughs> to me it like purposely has snow yeah to be like mm-hmm. it's not Smart. the middle east <laughs> you right. know like and like maybe it's just it's like russia coded but like it doesn't yeah but again it's like generic enemy we don't care which I love in a in a military movie where you're like who are we being racist against and they're like ah uh, nobody <laughs> yeah Bad guy planes. Yeah. In both Top Guns, you do not see the race of the enemy in any way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't think you don't see their faces ever either. No, right? You don't yeah. see their face. 
so they're just functioning as the monster in the monster movie and then i don't know it's it's the whole thing is interesting this also feels so much like a western mm-hmm. you know something like the quiet mm-hmm. american or dusty rides again where it's like this guy who's like past his prime but he's a legend but everyone's annoyed at him as well <laughs> um and he has to show up and do what no one else can do and john ham is gradually won over <laughs> but he has to he has to prepare the top gun kiddos for a mission to destroy a uranium mine that for various reasons I can't even remember is strategically very difficult. I like the twist of, you know, also it's this kid that I've lied to basically Mm -hmm. for what I think is his own good, but I can't tell him that because then I'd be betraying his mother. You know, it's like this whole thing of like in the first movie, he wants to be the badass, you know, in the second movie, he wants to be the good guy. And like, the reality of life is you can't actually, and you can't like prevent other people from living their lives, no matter how much Mm. you think you can save them from what needs to happen to them. You know, like it actually isn't his fault ultimately that goose died, you know, like that's why I still cry during that scene with him and Val Kilmer and other parts, Mm -hmm. especially with him and rooster at the end. Yeah. And it is, it's something, I don't know. I'd love to see more movies that are like, you first saw this character when they were like, in their early 20s and now we're coming back again 35 years later to see them at like their second saturn returns like what if there was like <laughs> flash dance alex and it's just kind of for beals today <laughs> R- running for city council in los angeles that's oh my an, god that's yeah. an l word generation q plot point i believe oh yeah that makes sense <laughs> but you know the thing that they do so well and you just articulated this uh so well river with regard to what the new dilemma is is i think so many sequels even if they come out two years later if they come out 10 years later whatever they don't do a great job of like honoring the actual character development trajectory they're Mm -hmm. like here's a new conundrum and they're stupid in all the ways that they were before but in a new setting yeah they're like they're gonna go on the same journey again you liked seeing that yeah right and this this was so good it actually i mean we have a lot of the plot pieces set pieces settings of the same journey as last time in in the settings but we have a person who has again i said this before but has grown in one particular direction but doesn't know how to round themselves out where they've landed and Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. pretty impressive that if the fucking top gun sequel (laughs) is the movie that did this so well i know i agree (laughs) (laughs) but i i mean i give a lot of credit to that director because i think that Mm -hmm. is like his vibe you know is is Mm -hmm. like and that's something in in only the brave too it's about this leader who is a man and a leader of other men Mm -hmm. and like what does that really look like you know like we can say that that's a toxic concept but i don't think it is in and of itself Mm -hmm. it could be one if you portray it that way well no because we get the toxic manifestation in ham right we we see a contrast yeah exactly and what does it really mean to lead Mm -hmm. you know ultimately what does it mean to be a caring leader does it mean you keep everybody from doing everything because they might get hurt in a job where they've signed up to do that, just that? No, you know, mm-hmm. it means to trust them, you know, and allow them mm-hmm. to do that. That And that to me is what that movie is about. And I, I lo- well, I, I keep wanting to jump ahead, but <laughs> I, I love what you said too, Alex, that like it does. And that's why it's like Top Gun the Ride because they found like a perfect balance of 
here's a bunch of new stuff. Remember this guy? Look at what he does now. You know? <laughs> also, people still feel the same way about him. Can you believe it? He doesn't actually like it. <laughs> here's what's in his life. Oh, boy. Here's the kid from the guy that he d- thinks he killed. Yeah. Uh-oh. What's going to happen now? There's a bunch of new people, and they all have fun names, too. And we're going to do this crazy, crazy job. All right. Let's try it. Whoa. He's really good at this. I forgot. <laughs> like, holy shit. Nobody does it like he does. Oh, no. Phoenix is maybe going to die in the training montage, just like Goose did. Oh, she doesn't. Okay. Phew. I forgot that their lives are actually on the line all the time, even when they're just training. And, like, I literally cried during that part because I was like, it was it was evoking for me what war and military might actually be like. Mm. Because even as an mm-hmm. anti-war person, I know people who are in the military. I, my mm-hmm. family lost somebody mm. <clears throat> in World War II. And I just thought about the terror that that actually is, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that they did a good job of portraying that. And like, is it propaganda? Yes. Is it also a thing to consider? <laughs> yeah. You know, to actually like consider what mm-hmm. that is like to go through that and put yourself through that and to be put through that, you know, Yeah. I think is is actually like important. And I think it gets lost a lot, you know? Yeah, for sure. And there's many war films that are about exactly that. You know, this is maybe not one of them, but, (laughs) you know. Well, but then also you think about Tom Cruise being in Born on the Fourth of July, like within a few years of this, of the original, which is the original. Yeah. Fascinating. Incredible performance for the age that he was, you know, the man can act. He can act. (laughs) He really can. After Vanilla Sky, I think he was like, yeah. Although I fucking love, I, I love a Mission Impossible movie. I don't give a shit. Oh my God, I love it too. I but I don't it. think that's, that's, act, that's stunt acting. Yeah, I don't think it's acting. For sure. <laughs> you know? And I don't, I, I'm not qualifying one. There's not a hierarchy to me. Mm-hmm. I think he made the decision, like I can keep trying to win an Oscar and appease people or I can be the best that's ever done this. <laughs> yeah. Which is why he's Maverick. That's why he's Maverick and that's why he's Ethan Hunt and that's why he's Tom Cruise. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't think anyone will ever be allowed. to. It's almost like in baseball. Like there are a hmm. bunch of stats now. Milestones that will will never, they will stand probably forever. Mm-hmm. Like Cal Ripken's 2300 plus continual game streak. Like they will not let players do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's not, it's not good for you. <laughs> you know, they're insured it for millions of dollars. You have to rest, you know, mm-hmm. like they just won't do those kinds of things anymore. And I feel like that, too, is part of the the Maverick story and the t- Maverick Tom Cruise story of event. This is not going to happen anymore. Like we we just won't see, you know, the Indy 5 thing is, you know, you're watching an 88 year old man be CGI'd into the first <laughs> 30 minutes of the film is that I was really wondering because oh, like, yeah. Harrison Ford is so old. How on earth? Yeah, he, he's so he old. plays like a 40 year old in the movie. Wait, what? <laughs> through CGI. He's like made through like AI aided the CGI. Beginning, this yeah. They're doing the Irishman thing. He's deeply de-aged. Yeah. You should go see the Harrison Ford animatronic and the Indiana Jones ride. Yeah, that'll be more realistic. <laughs> it honestly was the first time I went on that ride, Sarah. I think I was 30. I was just married. So I was 33 years old. I went on it by myself and he comes down from the top mm-hmm. or he was on the side and he intros you. And I was like, wow, I can't believe they got him for this. <laughs> <laughs> Like my little five-year-old inside was like, wow, he's here. <laughs> Completely. That Well, this, I don't know. I, I do like to, it feels like Disneyland or like theme park rides generally are a good comparison for this. Because as you said, it is Top Gun, the ride. Truly. 
And there is like I just went to Disneyland for my birthday with our friends Kelsey and Miranda and I loved it so much and the thing one of the things I loved about it was like cuz like Disneyland yes it's for children children love it it's also for adults children totally. have a very powerful imaginations and adults really need to be tricked a lot more thoroughly and I think that's yeah. where the Disney thoroughness comes in and when we went on star tours I was like we are being chased by the imperial whatever <laughs> This yeah. is, uh, we could die. <laughs> we gotta go. We gotta yeah, no, I like being reminded that I am a child still, you know, like that totally. is what I like about it. I mean, I had a full, like, just emotional breakdown on the Peter Pan ride. Yeah. <laughs> That's just a storybook ride. But it was because I was like five, six years old again, you know, just yeah. like on that ride and reconnect. And that is also what I like about this movie is that it, mm -hmm. it just... And I, that's part of my you've seen my jokes there. But like that's like I cr I cried from it when I saw this film in, in the theater by myself. I cried from a new place because I did connect to this film in a new way because <laughs> I'm trans, <laughs> you know, and like and I have like accepted that part of myself and I'm a man <laughs> and mm -hmm. I went and watched this movie and allowed that part of myself to cry because I hadn't before, you know, like I just truly had not allowed that. And I didn't even know I wasn't allowing it until I went hmm. into that movie because, you know, I was like, God love my mom and she did the best. It's like her feminism was men suck, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's like that part of myself was like, okay, well that's bad. And I shouldn't connect to this in that way. You know, like I can like it because they're cute and they have nice butts. Okay, great. You know, like whatever reason I was supposed to like Top Gun and, so in this one, like watching and being an older person, you know, I'm like, I'm mm -hmm. not 60, but I'm 40. I'm not the young, hot thing, whatever coming in. I like am in a leading position sometimes, you know, as a 40 year old person. Mm -hmm. It just really struck those chords for me. I don't want to go on a long, too long of a rant, but that is what I like about it. But that is what we're here for. And I, I mean, to, <laughs> I can I can sum up the plot really pretty briefly. Right. They have to do this mission. Alex, you pointed out that they first bring in Iceman the same way that and just like that brought back Samantha as a character they where did. he's texting with our main character. He's yeah. texting and then and then eventually he's texting in the same room because Val Kilmer's yeah. uh, vocal cords are gone uh, through. Yeah. I, I'm not I can't remember exactly the illness, but he he's side by side in typing to Maverick. Mm -hmm. as the I love that. I, lo I did. Yeah, too. I, I was like, too. are they going to fucking do this? I was like upset for a split second up front. And then I was like, this is actually great. Yeah. But yeah, it's a Samantha. <laughs> and to see that in a tentpole summer film that was like, this is going to make billions of dollars. The willingness to bring that in, I thought was really important, you know, and, and yeah. I don't, I don't know if it holds weight, you know, in terms of the disability conversation, but to me, it felt like it did that like to allow for that in, in a film like that. <laughs> totally. And, to them not just kill him off immediately you know that like oh he's this uh, you know he his last words were i want you to do the thing you know like <laughs> to go, allow him and to have him this man who's like who speaks through typing and who knows that his days are like limited on the earth to then like guide this other man through this experience and be like it's time to let go is like oh it's an incredible scene you oh, know yeah. that yeah. like Hey man, you gotta let this go. I'm about to leave, and it's Iceman saying, <laughs> "Yeah, it's like yeah. the biggest piece of shit from the first movie, from the first one, being like, you gotta grow up, dude.' Yeah, and we've all been there. 
<laughs> but you can see, you know, in the way John Hamm talks about him, you can see in the home, the way his wife talks about him. They don't have to show me that that man is not the asshole that he was right. in that film. Yeah, you know, that he is true. like, he speaks, he talks to, like, I want to talk about work. You want to have your last moments with me? Then give me what I want, which is I want you to do this because I believe in you and rooster like i believe in you and your ability to do it and that's not an asshole <laughs> like somebody that is like on their way out and takes time to guide another person through something like that that's a person that's seen some things and done some things and has some humility you know to me that's what val kilmer embodied in that scene for me you know yeah. which is what i i still love i think totally. it's tremendous yeah. And that, yeah. And, um, well, River, can you just, can you tell us the rest of the plot? Cause I feel like <laughs> sure. you can then maybe tell us a little bit about just kind of where, where it resonates, where it resonated for you when you first saw it. And, um, you know, where all the power is in this story for you. Yeah. I mean, I think that scene is an incredibly powerful scene and I don't, mm -hmm. I, I don't think it's simply because of just Val Kilmer, but I think, mm -hmm. I think ultimately that, you know, it's it just says it on the screen so big, like it's time to let go. And I was in a moment in my life. I don't even remember what I was upset about, you know, but it's mm -hmm. like those are the things where it's like, oh, right. I have to let go. Like, I can't I cannot hold on to this idea that I think I know what I need to do or what needs to happen or what they need to do or how this needs to go. Like, I cannot hold on to it because in holding on to it, I'm like crushing it. And yeah. whatever needs to happen is I can't let it in, you know, and it's going to happen anyway, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, like I have to get out of the way so that I can get back into it, you know, because the thing I always forget is that I don't have to let go to fly off into the atmosphere. <laughs> like I have to let go to be right here, mm. you know, and that is what this movie is about to me. And it happens to be about, you know, a, a naval airstrike or whatever but like so, so then he you know he has this meeting two or four out of the group are going to be grounded are going to be on standby and then Iceman dies passes away we mm -hmm. all have like we have the naval funeral which i cry at every time uh when he pounds the wings into the coffin which is just like very powerful and very echoing of him throwing gooses like dog tags into the ocean which mm. even as a child i was like that man has a son. Why are you doing that? <laughs> Don't throw those in the ocean. Like, you know he has a child. Why are you doing this? It tried every time. I'm like, no, do that. But um, anyway, so because Iceman dies, he now has no protection in the unit. Like, John Hamm comes down hard and is like, we're changing the time. Like, I'm running this. Like, Pete's out. Like, he's not doing it. Uh, Maverick's out. I'm running the thing. It's going to, you're going to have all this time. We're coming in you know, the, the, whatever the floor that they can't, the deck that they can't below go below is even higher. It's just like, he's basically sending them on a death mission. Mm -hmm. Everybody's upset. Even his number two is upset. All the, you know, they're, they're not into it. And as he's changing the thing on the screen, oh, all of a sudden, guess what? Somebody's flying the thing. And of course, <laughs> Pete Maverick Mitchell is doing the run and showing that he is the only one that can do it. You know, like he, he is truly the only one that can do it. And he does it with time to spare, you know. So the egg is on Tom Ham's face. And then they, you know, they set up the team. Rooster, of course, ends up being his wingman. And Hangman is on the deck. And then they head out, right? They go on the mission. Mm -hmm. He, at some point, has a sleepover date with uh, Jennifer Connelly that I think is also adorable. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
they have this very wonderful, vulnerable conversation about like, you know, she talks about, you know, being sort of being a dad to Rooster and letting go of this idea mm. of that, that it's his fault and him talking about wanting to do right. But, you know, like just let him resent me and not his mom. Like his mom asked me to do this. I can't tell him that, you know, so I just think it's like, you know, a, a portrait of a guy trying to do the right thing and, and like sort of missing that there's a human being in front of him mm-hmm. who doesn't have a dad, <laughs> you know? So then they go on the mission. There's a lot of sort of sad, you know, like he says something to Jennifer Connelly that's along the lines of like, you know, we'll talk when I get back or whatever. That's very like loaded with, I don't know if I will. Mm-hmm. They go on the run. Rooster has his typical freak out thing. And Tom is like, wants him to go 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 and then basically they do it <laughs> you know like they they do it it happens there's a radar that doesn't work for roost because rooster's got to drop the second bomb tom drops the first one to blow it up open and then you know rooster has to overcome his fears tom has to let him do it because he physically can't do both and he does it and they get out of there and then there's the dog fight and it's very compelling and i was very drawn into it yet again and was like mm-hmm. on the edge of my seat again while like folding laundry again. <laughs> you know, there's like, you know, uh, flares, deterrence, all this stuff. It is so captivating and so incredible. And then it gets to the very last moment and Rooster is going to die. And Tom Cruise's plane like just flies in front like Kevin Costner and dances with wolves. <laughs> like just like right in front. It's just like, boom, saves his life. And you're like, no, what? <laughs> But also, yes, exactly. And then he's downed and Rooster's freaking out and they want to send, you know, search and rescue. John Hamm won't let him do it. He wants everybody else to come home. We're not losing more guys. And so you're like, holy shit. Wow. He's really he's going to go out in this. Oh, my God. Okay. And then, of course, you see Tom Cruise landed. He's landed in Russia somewhere and he's like trying to get away from an enemy copter and you're like, wow, he's really going to eat it. He's really going to die. They're going to kill Maverick right now. Yeah. And poof, boom, it explodes. <laughs> and it's Rooster saving his life. And then he gets downed. And then they run into each other in the woods. And he's like, what is wrong with you? And he's like, I saved your life. And he's like, I was saving your life. <laughs> and it's like so incredible and so funny and so perfect. I love it I so love it. much. <laughs> That comedy is there too because you think that they're gonna like run and hug and what happens is Tom Cruise comes in and pushes Rooster but like but also he's like it works on like another level and that Tom Cruise is like this was my moment for growth like I was gonna grow by doing this thing and he still obviously grew by doing that but he's like so many things are happening with his frustration with Rooster including like this was my moment to do the right thing and I'm you're still fucking stuck here (laughs) (laughs) yeah So then they make their way onto the runway that's been blown up to find some really old vintage pieces, I think <laughs> Rooster calls calls the planes to get out of there because they're not going to send search and rescue for them. Mm-hmm. And they basically become, you know, pilot and, you know, Rooster becomes goose in this plane and they can't fly. He has to just like take it off of like a taxi. It's not even a runway. And, but of course it's Maverick, so he can do it. They take off and they try to pretend like they're also the enemy, you know, and like pass it off. 
But then, of course, they get found out and they get into a dogfight in this like very old, like, I don't know, F-14 or something. I forget what number it is. It's a MiG, which is yeah, so exciting because yeah, this right. is when I realized that this movie had me. I was like, the MiG. And then I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, I love Top Gun. <laughs> and then they once again, you know, they get into these crazy dogfights. Maverick is pulling all these crazy Maverick moves. It's incredible again. And they win. And they're like about to go home. And then the, he gets the radar working and there's one on the radar and he's like, I can't see it. I can't see it. And he's like, it's on the nose. And you're like, oh, shit, they're going to die <laughs> again. Like once again, you're like, oh, my God, they're going to they're going to die. They're not going to make it. Is this when the eject happens with Rooster and he's like, we got to eject and it doesn't work. Yeah. It's, it's like a callback to, right. to Goose again where it's like, well, they're totally fucked because they can't even eject. And you're like, boy, this is a lot for Maverick dealing <laughs> it's a with lot. the exact it's a same lot. situation. <laughs> and you're, they're like, basically like, well, we're done. We're done for. And then, boom, Hangman comes out of you. For, totally forget. They balance the time perfectly, I think. I feel. Mm -hmm. I've seen it before and I forget you know like my heart my spirit forgets that there's they're waiting on deck and he yeah. comes through saves their ass and is the hero of the day and that, that's the thing the hero of the day is not Maverick in both movies I love that it's Hangman <laughs> it's Hangman and he's like ladies and gentlemen this is your captain speaking he pulls that move <laughs> but it's everyone it's everybody yeah nobody can do it alone everybody does a thing that's important that's right. Every It's communism. <laughs> <laughs> that is the thing about this movie about America and the military is that it's communism. <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, they land safely and we get the whole deck celebration similar to the end of Top Gun. And this is where I really lose it. And even just recalling it in this moment, it's hard. Where Maverick and Rooster have an exchange and I forget what Maverick says to Rooster, but Rooster says, it's what my dad would have done. And yeah. it is. <laughs> it's a very powerful thing. You know, it's just like an, a, an incredibly powerful moment that doesn't actually have to be, you know, military. It doesn't have to be, you know, these guns blazing thing. It's like he gets to do the thing that he believes he should do. And mm -hmm. Maverick eventually lets him do it. You know, it's like you, you actually have to let people love you. I mean, that mm -hmm. to me is what, ultimately it is is maverick is a guy that is hard to love because he doesn't love himself mm -hmm. you know and by the end of this movie i think he sees you know you see him them all together and he's like flying loop-de-loos with jennifer Connolly, and they're just all there you know and it's like all good you know like the daughter's there he's kind to her i think there's a dog in my mind there's a dog <laughs> there is a dog yeah <laughs> you know they're like dog. the dog got big the daughter got big Rooster's there. It's all this fun, beautiful, chosen family in this moment. And I don't know. I love it. And I don't love the Lady Gaga song, but it also no. takes me back. I love the Lady Gaga song. <laughs> Not objectively. <laughs> sure. I just love that there's a song for the movie. Like, I miss yeah. that shit so hard. <laughs> I do. I Yes, that I vibe with. To your, I love, I love the like that so you get just gonna let someone, you gotta let people love you. Often we don't know how to love ourselves. We have to learn how to love ourselves by seeing how other people love us. Yeah, I think yeah. often like people are like, you gotta love yourself first, and it's it's not that easy. Like you get through it, no. and you have to like let more people than just Iceman love you. Like that's yes, yes, an important uh, lesson. 
And that's Top Gun Maverick. And that's Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> it's beautiful. And then, oh, and then it says dedicated to Tony Scott. Oh, and that's then you right. cry again yeah. more. You cry again. I just think, you know, we clamor a lot for examples of good masculinity. And mm. I think often we want it to be perfect. And it just mm. can't, <laughs> you know? And so I think, you know, my expectations for this movie were very low, which helped <laughs> me out a lot. But I, I just think if you can set aside the things you don't like, like the military or USA, whatever it is, and see it for what it is, is that like this is not men loving each other through violence, even though violence is a part of this film. You know, like yeah. I'm not I'm not trying to be naive. They're not physically fighting each other to love each other. You know, they're like finding respect for each other and allowing each other to fail and make mistakes and grow and learn and try, you know, and the one who does it the most is Tom Cruise. Yeah. And then also how like, that's how you smuggle meaningful commentary on relationships mm -hmm. into places uh, where mm -hmm. Americans will actually consume it. Totally. A hundred percent. They're like, I'm going to watch shit blow up. And along the way, I'm going to accidentally <laughs> learn about personal growth. Precisely. Yeah. And I say they, but I mean we. Like Don't, That's what I do. Too. It's summer. I just watched Cliffhanger the other night again. <laughs> again. Yeah. And I was obsessed with that movie last summer. And last summer, my dad was uh, actively dying. <laughs> that And Cliffhanger helped me deal with grief. You know, yeah. and like this is what summer movies are. A lot of them yeah. are about grief. Americans are people who have a lot of grief and we don't want to talk about it. We do not so. want to talk about it ever. <laughs> right. And I and I love movies that are, are nuanced. They do these things through like metaphor. They do these things, whatever. But goddamn, like Top Gun's doing it every five minutes in a big, obvious enough way where if you bring it up to someone, they'll see it, too. And I love that shit. A hundred percent. It really. And I mean, it's funny to be watching indiana jones at the same time because i feel like somehow top gun maverick falls more in line with that sort of space than the first top gun to me doesn't do that you know like it's a good it's an interesting it's a it's a movie you know that i will watch but it doesn't do all this stuff that top gun maverick is somehow able to do which is like sarah's saying is like talking about grief and letting go and growing and changing, like all those things, you know, it just, I, I don't feel like the first one did that. And it's kind of incredible mm -hmm. to have a sequel that to me is a movie I would watch many more times than mm -hmm. Top Gun, you know, <laughs> like yeah. not very interested. Like I rewatched it and I was like, eh, okay, very like pop cultural phenomenon, highly influential to the, you know, to everything, mm -hmm. not a movie that I throw on to like enjoy you know right <laughs> or like that you can enjoy it more like a music video which totally. is really what it's working at the level of and that yeah that this is an example of a franchise allowing its main character to grow up which yeah. is i it's just very hard to think of examples of that mm -hmm. yeah especially in you know the age of ip sequels that we're doing where it like doesn't yeah. It's not the alien thing or the back to the future thing where it's like, well, we're going to make a sequel because it worked, you know, like it, yeah. this is more like, well, we don't want to pay people. So we're going to use what we've already got and just make another one, you know, um, where I think Maverick as a film. And if I had to compare the two, like the new indie and the Maverick as a film, I think it does a better job. Like you're saying, mm -hmm. I mean, Alex was saying this too early where it's like 
they actually made a movie. They didn't just like throw IP at a screen mm-hmm. and go, you guys yeah. like it, right? You know, it's like <laughs> we wrote a movie and then and we made the movie. Fetch! <laughs> you know? <laughs> but like this, this did such a good job at all of the nods, but using those pieces to build a story on that like had humanity in the story. Yeah. And it specifically also like, it did the best job of being like nostalgia. Yeah. Like we're nostalgic for the things that we love, but like we need to tell another story outside of just acknowledging a feeling that we used to like having. And I think that that's why we feel, or I felt so encouraged to identify with Maverick in this, because I, I feel like you're able to identify with his sense of generations passing and how like you grow older and you watch people like I love that we have Rooster and Hangman having the exact moment that uh, <laughs> Maverick and Iceman had in the first movie, and that that's that's fan servicey, but it's also what life feels right. like. You totally. watch people coming up behind you yeah. do the exact things yep. that you did. Absolutely, totally. <laughs> yeah, I agree. We know that Goose was a father in this movie universe. Mm-hmm. Who, in your opinion, is the daddy? Uh, I mean, I think in my personal interpretation of daddy in this moment, <laughs> be very clear, mm-hmm. I think that the daddy of this film is, uh, I'm deciding which name I want to say, if I want to mm-hmm. say the person of the character. I'll say it's tough to separate, and it might be two, and it, it might be my two dads, uh, which is, <laughs> I think it's Val Kilmer and Iceman, yeah. the daddy in this film, personally. Okay. I don't actually, I think that, Maverick gets there at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he gets to a new place of understanding at the end. But I think that it is ultimately, you know, it's a it's a very much um <laughs> it's it's like the Lion King. You know, it's like the 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 father has to sort of leave for the son mm. to take over kind of thing. Oh wow. And uh I really do actually especially watching it again for this podcast, like it's such a, a small performance in time, but Val Kilmer's performance in that film is just really powerful and really incredible. And I just think it's it's a really wonderful... I just didn't expect it when I saw it. And I still am like, it's really incredible that they did that, that they chose to do that. And I think that he plays it so well. And it's funny, you know, like, you know, when he's like, but who's the better pilot? Because then he does speak. And he's like, so who's the better pilot? And he's like, this is a, this is a great moment. Can we not ruin it? It's just like... <laughs> It's so fun and real, you know, it doesn't, it could be so schlocky and maybe other people think it's schlocky. I don't know. But to me, it was just like, I don't know. The movie just rolls and it finds its own pace and it finds its own space. And I just really enjoy it a lot. And that, that to me is like the big daddy moment, I think. Totally. (laughs) I, yeah, I, I rarely second, but I'm going to (laughs) second Val Kilmer. I wish in moments when someone was giving me wisdom in a dad-like situation when I needed that wisdom and I was it was clear I couldn't figure it out, they would do the things that Val Cumber does. Very clearly say, I need you to come and talk to me. Okay, great. I know, yeah. Now I know we're yeah. having a conversation that's important. And then rather than I have to interpret the conversation, write out the main points in sentences. And when I'm not getting the senses, you just said tapping the sentence again. <laughs> so that i can understand it it's 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 um i agree with all the things he said i love how they do it but like it's fantasy to me to be like yeah yeah this is what i mean this is this is the way that i mean it i and i thought that that scene was beautiful too and i loved the val documentary so it was a really nice to see 
Val doing Val. Totally. Sarah Marshall, <laughs> who's your daddy in this movie? I mean, yeah, I it's obviously Val Kilmer, but for variety, I should choose someone else as well. And uh, it's Miles Teller's little mustache. <laughs> I love that guy. Yeah, it does look so good with a Hawaiian shirt. It you know? does look really great. He really animates that thing. I love it. Oh, my God. So this was a, a just... A blessing. Oh, my God. I loved it so much. Thanks so yeah. much for having me. How do people find you, River? And what do you want people to know about your your stuff? Where do you point people in the direction of? Um, I mostly I, I have a Twitter. I don't really use it. And it's it's made my life so much better. Not to brag. Not saying anybody else has to do it. But for me personally, it's been it's been great. I feel creative again, which is awesome. That's right. Um, so I'm not really on there anymore. But I am. I do use Instagram and I'm at River Butcher on there. I think I'm like the river comedy on TikTok. I don't know. There's so many people pretending to be me and I'm like, really, dude? Um, So I don't really use that yet. But if I do, you'll find out. Um, And then my website is riverbutcher.com. And that's where I put like my dates and stuff. And uh, yeah, I have, uh, like Sarah said, I taped a special with Helium Comedy Clubs in Portland. And I, I hope that comes out this year on YouTube. So just, you know, follow me on Instagram and you'll find out all those updates. All right, everybody, that is it for this week's episode of You Are Good, a feelings podcast about movies. Thank you so much to River Butcher for joining us. I'm so glad to be bringing this to y'all. I cannot wait to talk with River again about another movie. Thank you to Carolyn Kendrick for producing the episode and editing. Thank you to Miranda Ziegler for editing the episode. Thanks to Fresh Lesh for providing the beats that make our episode sound so sweet. We appreciate you, Lesh. Find us on Instagram. Find us on Twitter. Find us on Blue Sky. Who knows where we'll be next? Find us on Patreon and Apple Podcast subscriptions. Don't forget, you get those bonus episodes for supporting the show, and we appreciate you. Leave a review, a five-star review with some notes about why you love the show on Apple Podcast subscriptions. Tell your friends. Text them about us. All right. We'll talk with you all next week. We've got some really great movies coming out this summer, and I am excited to bring those to you. That's it for this week's episode of You Are Good. And don't forget that you, my friend, are good. All right. We'll talk with you all soon.